the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. It is Friday, and that means... That means it's open line Friday. The number is 888-528-888-528-2557. We'll take your call on anything you'd like to call about today. We'll change the subject just for you. So if you've got a Bible question, comment about the news, maybe you didn't get through earlier in the week and uh, you wanted to chime in, you can do that today. The number is 888-528-2557. I want to welcome all of you in uh, San Diego listening today. I know we had different programming on the last couple of days. I want to thank you. Uh, San Diego was rescuing babies through Africa Renewal Missions, and uh, you guys, you stepped up. It was uh, The goal was 30 babies, and you did 50 last I looked. So thank you for that. I really appreciate uh, that. I don't, you know, not for me. It's for those babies that are rescued. Uh, through our partners at Africa Renewal Ministries. Thanks for doing that. All right, we're going to uh, get to your calls here in just a minute. You can call now with anything on your mind, 888-528-2557. But uh, big news of the day here in California is uh, our California Senator, Diane Feinstein, passed away. She was 90 years old. This is Republican uh, Senate Minority Leader uh, talking about this Mitch McConnell today. She was an incredibly effective person at every line, at every level, and she was at all of those levels on the way to the Senate. Those of us who were fortunate to call Diane our colleague can say we served alongside the longest-serving female senator in American history. Diane was a trailblazer in her beloved home state of California, and our entire nation are better for her dogged advocacy and diligent service. She uh, went to the Senate in 1992, and uh, she was 90 years old and passed away. She's been in the news a lot because of her age and a lot of questions about whether or not she was actually uh, functioning in such a way as to to get her job. I guess she just voted on something yesterday, though. So, But uh, she passed away, I guess, at her home. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I agree with Dianne Feinstein on a lot of things, especially the big, particularly the social issues of the day and on even other issues that, you know, are, are there. I wouldn't say she was somebody I agreed with a lot, but I would agree with something that Mitch McConnell just said is that she was an effective senator in the sense that she did her job. There are lots of things that senators and your representatives do on a regular basis that, uh, you know, they never make the news. It's just part of the job of representing you. And I had to work with her office to help a couple of people who were in a terrible situation a few years ago. And uh, it had to do with uh, their residency here, not like illegals or or anything like that, but somebody who had uh, the right to be here, but filled out the wrong form at an airport and really just checked the wrong box. And 
and was expelled from the United States. And it was somebody whose family was here. She had a job here. She had all this stuff. But there are certain rules uh, that you had to follow. And, you know, I found the office there and the people that I worked with uh, very responsive. And it matters because there was another senator at the time. Um, and uh, I won't say what her name was, but we used to call uh, both of our uh, female senators at the time Thelma and Louise, and uh, that other senator wasn't responsive at all. It was basically, we can't help you, and you hardly got a phone call back. And, you know, you, you kind of deal with that with companies, right? There are some people who are just better at it than others. They did a good job, and there are certain things that go on that are on a regular basis that your senator's office will do uh, that are really good. There are things that your congresspeople or local officials do on a regular basis that you don't see that are really good, um, that just happen. It's part of the job. Usually what happens is we hear about the big stories. We hear about the big you know, philosophical or moral questions of the day. And those matter greatly, of course, because it impacts policy and we need to be connected with that. But there's a lot of other things that happen. So I would definitely um, give her, you know, that same credit that she was effective in what she did and probably effective in things I wouldn't agree with. But she she worked hard. And that was um, Diane Feinstein, who passed away today at 90 years old. That puts um, Governor Newsom in the position of needing to appoint a successor. And uh, I don't really think it's that complicated, but there's a lot of news stories that say it's complicated for him. And, you know, one of the things that he said that he would do if she would ever quit was that he would appoint a black woman to replace her in the Senate. Well, she didn't quit. She passed away. So now people are saying, well, what is it that you're going to do? And to me, the simplest thing to do is we have an election next year. There are people running, including somebody who is uh, African-American woman. Barbara Lee is running. The other candidates on the Democrat side are Katie Porter and Adam Schiff. And, you know, it, the, the politics of it is if he chooses one of them, well, then he is chosen over the party process of who gets nominated, and who gets to vote, or that person would become the incumbent for next year because that person will be on the ballot. Whoever he picks will be on the ballot to vote for them next year uh, for the new term. They would just fulfill the the rest of this year, which would be Dianne Feinstein's last year. I don't think it's that complicated, though. I think he should just pick uh, somebody who is a custodian of the seat, somebody who has no desire to maintain it or keep going. There's an interesting thing. I don't, I'm not buying this. I'm not on this page. The idea that he would pick Kamala Harris uh, and the whole conspiracy theory there is that he'll pick Kamala Harris, the vice president Harris, and uh, that he would make her the senator and she would then probably be the one who would get reelected. And then President Biden would make him Governor Newsom, the vice president, and then he would President Biden would quit, and uh, then uh, Newsom would be the incumbent. I don't know that uh, – I don't think that's really the deal here. I don't think that's the plan. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. Yeah, well, you know, whatever it is, I think that's an interesting controversy. But whatever happens here, something to pay attention. This is what I look at. Diane Feinstein was a classical liberal, and there's an opportunity here for us to – See the difference between liberal and leftist, all right? There are people who would be, you know, on the spectrum of of where you are in politics, right? There's far left and then there's liberals. They're not the same. Philosophically, there is a difference. Uh, You'd find the same thing on the right with conservatives, and I don't know what you would say, you know, real conservatives or what what you would call the far right necessarily. Um, But it usually comes down to are people willing to hold on to what's true? Even if you disagree about facts, are you really honestly trying to find the facts? Uh, Dennis Prager likes to say that for 
liberals truth is uh, liberals and conservatives liberals is he would say truth is a a value but for leftists it's not uh meaning that the farther extreme you get on different sides you seem to be more eager to accept things that aren't necessarily true or even uh just keep saying things that aren't true just to win the day uh and it causes confusion there's a lot of philosophy behind that and and everything i want to play something for you that's Diane Feinstein. It's a controversial interaction that she had with a bunch of kids, actually. But I think that there's something instructional here. It's a difference between um, a liberal and a leftist, right? And, the, and I don't mean to put the kids on the spot here. There's a teacher there. But there's something here. This happened in 2019. So it was in her current term. She just got reelected. And you can tell that she's so much better just four years ago than where she has been the last couple of years as far as her physical abilities have been. Um, But she goes to see a school and all of these kids are urging her. If you remember, there was the the Green New New Deal. And the Green New Deal was this massive spending uh, package. It would have been $93 trillion, I think is the number. And we we just don't have that. I mean, it's so much money. It just was completely a ridiculous thing. And most people, even Democrats, said, no, we we can't do that. And Dianne Feinstein was a liberal, right? She was somebody who is pursuing, I think, uh, different green technologies and other things for climate change and and, uh, lots of different things on the left. But I want you to hear this interaction because she gets taken on quite a bit here. So what's happening is a bunch of kids now are challenging Feinstein because she was not for the Green New New Deal. We're asking her to vote yes on the Green New Deal. We are trying to ask you to vote yes on the Green New Deal. Okay, I'll tell you what. We have our own Green New Deal. Now what she does is she says, well, we're not going to vote on the one that very few people supported, but she says there's another thing that we're going to pass in the area of climate change. Scientists have said that we have 12 years to turn this around. Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years. So did you hear that? So the kids, now the teacher's standing there. These kids are, there's one who's 16 and they go all the way down, I would say to about 10 years old probably. And they're pressuring her saying, we only got 10 years left, 12 years left. And that has been the line, right? This is 2019. We're here four years later. And now the number is still 10 and 12. I mean, that's one of the the things is that, you know, if there's really a 12-year clock or 10-year clock or whatever the clock is till doomsday, uh, it needs to, that clock needs to start ticking down eventually. Or otherwise, you just keep saying, well, we only have 12 years left indefinitely. And that's one of the things that breaks down in the credibility of it. And you begin to hear the tension in this conversation. We can do. Senator, if this doesn't get turned around in 10 years, you're looking at the faces of the people who are going to be living with these consequences. Now, that's the teacher. Did you hear that? She says, you're looking at the faces, as you're looking at these kids, of the people who are going to be living with the consequences if this doesn't get turned around in 10 years. Around in 10 years, you're looking at the faces of the people who are going to be living with these consequences. The government is supposed to be for the people and by the people and... You know what's interesting about this group is I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here and you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. No, that's Diane Feinstein who's just saying, you know what? You guys don't know what you're talking about. She's talking to little kids, so it's kind of funny. But the teacher's there. I mean, she really should have been addressing the teacher probably because obviously – 
the teacher is putting all this in the kid's head, right? These kids don't know anything. They're 10 years, 12 years old. You know, they're, they're just regurgitating what they've been told. And what they're being told is scary. You only have 10 years. If Dianne Feinstein doesn't vote for this bill, your life is over. You are not going to be able to cope with the climate change that's going to happen if this $93 trillion bill isn't passed. That's actually where these, what these kids have been taught. And they're here confronting a senator about this. I've gotten elected. I just ran. I was elected by almost a million vote plurality. And I know what I'm doing. So, you know, maybe people should listen a little bit. I hear what you're saying, but we're the people who voted you. You're supposed to listen to us. That's your your job. I'm 16. I can't vote. You didn't vote vote for me. (laughs) You're 16. Well, you didn't vote for me, she says. Well, she voted for It doesn't matter. We're the ones who are going to be impacted. It doesn't matter. We're going to be the ones who are impacted. Now, that little girl is, I don't know how old she is. She's 10, 11 years old, maybe, and scared. This is, you know, about her future. She's scared about the world. Is this a thing? I mean, do you suffer from actual climate anxiety? I've heard this before, that younger people, and I haven't seen this. So, you know, I've heard some adults call about this, but are we really putting our kids in a position where when we say, oh, there's only 12 years left to save the planet or 10 and whatever we say out there, that's got to be terrifying if you're a little kid. I would never say that to my to my kids. I understand that. I have seven grandchildren. I understand it very well. Senator, the cost of and not taking this action is far higher than the cost of what the Green New Deal will be. See, and that was the, the line with that, that we need to spend more money than our country even makes in, in decades. We need to spend it all in one bill. Uh to change, have everybody change their air conditioner and everybody do all the stuff and all of it being questionable as to A, if you can, B, if it would do any good anyway. And uh, she's not going to put up with it, Diane Feinstein. And there Here's is what? enormous popularity for this bill around okay. the whole country. No, there actually wasn't. Here's and we're asking you to be brave and do this for us and for your grandchildren. Get enough for okay. I'm trying to do the best I can, which was to write a responsible Resolution Any plan that, that doesn't take bold, transformative okay. Okay. action is not going to be what we need. We well, need you know better than I do. So I think one day you should run for the Senate. Great. And then you do it your way. But by that time, in the meantime, I just, I just won a big election. So I think, you know, when you hear that, Senator Fines, and I'm playing this today, you know, to kind of to be in her corner. You know, on this, she's getting ambushed by a bunch of stuff that is not reasonable or possible or true. And she stuck to her guns there, you know, and this is completely on one side on the left, you know. And, you know, that I think shows you she's older and she's kind of defensive about her. You know, she just won the election and there's things going on that she shouldn't say, I think, there. But there is a difference you hear between the the sort of being a liberal and being a leftist is, and I I want you to hear that because the things that we often talk about in our society, we want to see get better. The stuff going on in schools with education and not just with the issue of uh, sexuality and transgender stuff, but just with math, science, and English, things that are concrete, things that we need to do with the homeless, things that we need to do to help with prices, with inflation, all this stuff. There is a truth out there to how to resolve this, even if we're not sure what it is, even if both sides need to argue it back and forth. 
the way a, a government functions is people have to try to find what is true, what is something that they can actually do that's concrete and not have pie-in-the-sky notions about we're, we can just spend you know trillions and trillions, literally trillions of dollars and just solve it. And right there you hear part of the battle, and this is generational, right? This is Dianne Feinstein, classical Democrat, liberal, been around forever. And she's running into a buzzsaw from kids who have been indoctrinated into this who really don't know other than what their teacher has told them and maybe their parents. And the teacher there, who's pretty young, probably in her 20s, 25, maybe 30 years old. You know, that conversation, I think it's very instructional to see where we have moved as a society. Uh, I play it, you know, on the day of her death because I think it shows you kind of what she was like maybe behind the scenes, not giving a speech, you know, a little bit. Uh, 888-528-2557. You see where I'm, what I'm talking about with this, though? I think that we have to understand that some people are going to make arguments that are not based in truth and they don't need to be because the purpose is to pressure for other reasons. And we can't do that. We have to be a people who are rooted in at least seeking the truth, even if we don't agree on what that is, at least in understanding that there is actual truth, that there is a actual effect to policies or to statements or to behaviors that is reality. You know, what is the effect of the Housing First program on homeless people? My view is it doesn't work. That's why we have more and more homeless people. The idea that rather than deal with recovery, not rather than deal with trying to get people off the drugs or prevent them from taking drugs or prevent the drugs from coming in, there's a whole lot of different things that are part of this discussion. But rather than do that, we just want to put people in a house first that we want to spend like a million dollars on each for each individual of the uh, 70,000 homeless people just in L.A. alone which makes no sense, right? It doesn't make any sense. And yet we're tossing billions and billions and billions of dollars at it for years. That's the difference. That's the change that we are seeing generationally in how we proceed with things. We have to be in reality. And I'll tell you what, there's spiritual realities too. That's you know, coming from it as a, a Christian person. When we land in a place where things don't make any sense, there's a spiritual reason they don't make sense. And so then actually they do make sense. Uh, the evil one, what he wants to do is confound and confuse and make us confused and make us against each other, uh, and it's bad. Anyway, I thought that was an instructive video. That made uh, It made waves at the time. Uh, Diane Feinstein, uh, that whole thing got on Saturday Night Live, and it's a longer sketch, but it's Diane Feinstein in front of a bunch of kids just having an argument with them, and it goes like, here's a little bit of it. You kids like games? Yeah! Yes. Okay, this one is called Green New Deal, okay? I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to hold out my hand. Then you kids are going to give me $93 trillion. We don't have any money. Oh, you don't? Oh, then we all lose. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's, uh, that's basically what is being asked for. Oh, you give me this money. Well, we don't have it. Oh, you don't have it? See, there's just a, it's just a reality, and we've got to be about that. Anyway, Diane Feinstein passed away today, and uh, you probably have different opinions about her, but uh, I hope that uh, in her last days, or maybe where she was, maybe she knew the Lord, maybe she didn't. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but we, we trust that even people who maybe went through their life and didn't know the Lord are able to come to Christ even in their last moments. So uh, anyway, she passed away. We'll see what happens with that. I think there's a an interesting lesson we can learn from all that. This is the Pastor Scott Show. It's Open Line Friday. 
888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Let me grab a call here before the break. You're Gary in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you very much, sir. And I really enjoyed uh, you in the East Pasadena Church uh, with the uh, Dennis Prager, and I forgot the other gentleman's name. Christian oh, and uh, Eric Metaxas, we had an event Eric, last, yeah. uh, I want to say it was March, right? Uh, ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile is what it was called. Absolutely, yeah. Very well done. Well, thanks for being there. Thank you. Oh, you bet. Um, so um, I'm a science guy, um, and um, I happen to know a website where they have all the science that proves God of the Bible. And I've, I've managed to use this uh, to get a number of unbelieving Jews who are usually very smart. And so is it okay if I share that site? Tell you what, why don't you send me a uh, email with it, okay, and I'll take a look at it, okay? You can send me an email at pastorscott at kkla.com, pastorscott at kkla.com, and I'll take a look at it, and uh, if it's something I can share, I'll do that. Very good. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Thank you, Gary. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It's Open Line Friday. That means we'll take your call on any subject. You can change the subject. You can talk about the issues of the day. You can ask a Bible question, maybe something else that's on your mind. Give us a call, 888-528-2557. When we come back, I'll get your calls, Marco and others. I see your calls. We'll be back as the Friday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. It is Open Line Friday. 888-528-2557 on the Pastor Scott Show. You can talk about anything you'd like to talk about. Change the subject. Add to the subject. Maybe you've got a Bible verse or a uh, spiritual question you want to ask. 888-528-2557. Or maybe something in the news. Or just keep the conversation going. All right. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Marco, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Marco. Oh, oh hi, Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for uh, this amazing show that you have. Oh, thank you. It. My family love it, yes. I just want to comment about, like, growing up, and I, I grew up in Mexico City my whole life. I uh, immigrated here when I was 27. So growing up in Mexico City, one of the most polluted uh, cities in the world, um, you know, in the 70s, 80s, it was brutal. Um, I remember, I totally remember, like, being so uh, scared about the water. We had to brush our teeth. Mm. With a glass of water, my dad would shave with a bucket of water. I mean, it's Mexico City, a metropolitan city, and we still have to be careful. Yeah. And when I came here, and uh, and uh, I have a son in 1992, we live on, uh, uh, in Hatton, which was uh, right underneath all the planes flying over my apartment. Yeah. And my son, my son got uh, asthma because of that. But when I'm when I'm looking back. 33, 35 years ago, we came so far, right? Is is um, with all the uh, emissions being uh, regulated. I, I believe that right now where we are, I like hundred times better than 30, 40 years ago, and I truly believe now that 
they're taking advantage of this uh, circumstance and trying to make the green deal and all the stuff. I, I, I think the politicians are really cashing in on this, and uh, especially the left. Yeah, so you're pointing out how we have made some improvements since, uh, even since you said you got here in, what, 92? Uh, no, in uh, 1989. 1989. Uh, right about that time, maybe uh, 90 or 91, uh, there was a Clean Air Act, Clean Air Bill. And, yeah. you know, it affected things pretty well here in the Southland. I mean, the, the smog we still get on some days, but it's not as bad as it was in the 70s and 80s when a lot of us grew up. It's better. Yeah, way better. Uh, like in Mexico City, they, they, the cars, they're so old, they're contaminating the buses. So bad, and uh, here you don't see that here. I'm talking yeah. California specifically. And no, I, there's nothing like that. And I think I think what you're getting at, Marco, is that there are actual things you can do for the environment that actually work. But then there's a lot of things you can propose for the environment that cost a lot of money, but they're not going to do anything. Yes, I agree, 100. percent I, I believe that uh, they're, they're just basically, if I want to drive uh, a, a car uh, filled by uh, gas by oil. It's my choice to do it, and, you know, I, as long as it doesn't contaminate and, and get to the uh, standards of what the, the environmental, whatever they want, I think that will be my choice. But if, when they start imposing me that if I don't drive uh, an electric car, uh, even if, if I cannot afford it, I'm like, how, can I, how in the world? That, that's why we immigrate to this beautiful country, because in, in our countries, uh, third world countries, there is not a choice. It's just like whatever they ask you to do, yeah. if you don't obey, they either put you in jail or kill you. And, and it's like, you know, it's, yeah. I, I, it's scary. I'm scared right now to see how, where we're going with this uh, uh, political scenario. Well, you know what, uh, Marco? I'm really glad that you're here, and uh, thank you for your call and for bringing those things up. Before the break, Marco had called before the break. We we. Had, we we're talking about Diane Feinstein and how she's passed away, uh, Senator Feinstein, and an argument that she had with people over the Green New Bill, New Deal. And one of the things that happened back in 2019 is that the cost of the Green New Deal was like 93 trillion dollars. It was just completely nuts, and and a lot of the stuff in it's not the technology's not there. You know, one of the controversies, and I think you know, when you you heard what he talked about the conditions in Mexico City and the conditions that even were here in the United States when he moved here. And if you lived in L.A. during that period of time like I did, you know, we grew up in school. We had uh, we had the smog alerts. You remember that where you get up in the morning and you check the TV news and not for the weather, but for uh, what the smog condition was. And sometimes you have a stage one smog alert and you had to be careful. And stage two smog alert recesses canceled. Right. It was just that's the world that we lived in. It was so bad. It's definitely better today. And it got better because of uh, fuel standards and some other things. There is a science to reducing pollution. There are actually things we can do. There's a whole lot more we could do with recycling and other stuff rather than often what we do is we pretend we're recycling, but we really just throw it all in the same hole. You know, but at the same time, much of what gets proposed, you know, if you want to do really interesting research, research what's happening often in Europe and what was part of the Paris Climate Accords and some of the impact with some of the things that are being done, there's a controversy about whether or not um, – a lot of that is going to do any good, number one. It just taxes people a whole lot. But what it also does is it is targeted towards preventing African nations in particular from developing. 
with the idea that says, no, we can't be putting more greenhouse gases in the air. We're going to let China and India keep pumping it out there more than anybody else and not really say much about it. But we're going to stop developing countries, third world countries, from developing electricity, for example, Uh, developing the things that are needed for people to actually get out of poverty because it creates more greenhouse gases. And the controversy is you're going to tell people they can't have refrigeration, which means they're going to die which means they can't have a grocery store, which means they can't have the things that we rely on so well here. You know, a lot changed in our country because of electricity and because of refrigeration. That changed. That's the reason that uh, we are well-fed. And if you have that in the rest of the world, the rest of the world can be well-fed, actually. There's plenty of things you can do. you got to be careful in the, in the conversation. As with a lot of the energy taxes and other stuff that we're seeing in our gas and other things, is it's the poor who get hurt. It's the poor who get taxed. It's the poor who are put in a position where they are unable to move forward for their own benefit. And it's highly questionable. You know, is this really about the environment or is it really about keeping certain nations rich? Just check into that. It's a subject for another day, but uh, something that you just have to realize. And, and, you know, I asked uh, where he was talking about the electric car thing, and that's in the news right now. Uh there's two issues with that. One, I asked uh, I asked somebody who's an executive at Ford a few weeks ago who is in charge of the Ford Motor Company, not in charge, but a big executive with the electric car division, what's happening. And I said, are we really going to be able to meet a uh, California goal of by 2035 no longer selling gas-powered cars in California without skipping a beat? She said, no. And she laughed and she said, you know, we're working towards whatever. But she said two things. She said, number one, the grid's not going to be able to handle it, not going to have enough chargers. Number two, she said, we haven't even begun to have the environmental impact state conversation about what those car batteries are about. Those car batteries, the studies say that you don't even, in the whole measurement of greenhouse gases, you don't even make up the difference until about 100,000 miles on an electric car before it even starts to make a difference because it the refining process and the mining that goes on to get those materials, the manganese, nickel, cobalt, lithium, uh, graphite, there's other stuff. It, it creates so much pollution or at least uh, air pollution and other stuff to get that stuff for the car batteries. Even now, imagine if that's the only thing you got. She just laughs. She says, we're not even having that conversation. And that's a huge environmental conversation. It gets us back to the, the notion that we need to be about truth and everything. And what's really true? I think electric car, you know, if you can make that work is a great idea, but you can't say that it's somehow environmentally clean. You're just trading off one environmental problem for another one. Uh, in a lot of those subjects. Anyway, uh, glad that you are here, Marco, and all that. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. It's Open Line Friday. And we'll take your calls on any subject. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Byron in Long Beach, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, how do you, Pastor? Hi, Byron. How are you? I'm alive. Thank you, Frank. All right, I'm glad. Speak up. I uh, can't hear you too well. Oh, yeah, okay. I said I'm alive. I can't complain. Anyway, I was thinking about our discussion yesterday, and if the irony of the whole discussion is today you had on the pastor, Philip DeCourcy, and he was speaking about spiritual battles, the very same topic that I brought to your um, forum yesterday. And anyway, I said the ultimate battle had been won. If you remember, that's, that's right, and, and and he mentioned that. Well, I would the whole topic 
whole discussion I can uh, rant about. But anyway. You know, I don't hear you too well, so we got to go to a break in a minute. So uh, go ahead and make your point as best you can. Okay. I'd like to know, what do you think was the uh, deciding factor of the battle? When do you think the ultimate battle was won? Oh. The ultimate battle was won at the cross. Uh, when Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, and uh, that is where he defeated the devil. That is where he crushed the serpent's head. Uh, the proof of that victory is the resurrection. The proof of that victory well, yeah. is he came up out of the grave. And that's, a, that's why uh, in the Christian faith, and this is according to the Bible, the resurrection is everything. If, there's, if he didn't rise, then nothing we claim is true, and people should pity us, the Scriptures say. But if he did rise, then we've got to look at the whole world, Byron, through the lens of resurrection and what is written in the Scriptures about how we got here, who we are, what the purposes of God are, is for our life, and how we get everlasting life by faith because of the grace of God. And that's where that battle is won. So it doesn't mean that we don't sin or that there isn't spiritual battle, but uh, the def- the battle has been won. I would say the war has been won. The battle still kind of rage as they sort of do even after the war is over. But the end of the Bible describes how all of it ends. And ultimately, Satan and his followers get te- caught, cast into the lake of fire. They're defeated. Uh, everybody should read the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation even says you'll be blessed if you read it. Uh, and you won't understand everything in it, but you will understand the big picture if you just read it. Just take you a couple hours. You probably should do that. I got to take a break. Byron, thank you for your call and for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. It is Open Line Friday. We'll talk about anything that's on your mind, 888-528-2557. Bible question, question about something in the news. We'll talk about the uh, impending government shutdown and what that means practically for most of us. And I'll take your calls, Eli and others. I see your calls up on the screen as the Friday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. On this vote, the yeas are 198, the nays are 232, the bill is not passed. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Once again, the uh, our friends in Washington are uh, getting ready to close down the government, and uh, that'll happen on Sunday unless they uh, deal with something by midnight on Saturday. Does that affect you? If you're a government worker in certain jobs, it does. Either you won't be going to work for a while, or you will go to work and not get paid. There'll be back pay. And if you're in the military, for example, if you are an essential, which is a scary word these days, whatever that means, right? But uh, military and uh, lots of government agencies, TSA, people like that are still working. But there'll be a lot of complications if there is a shutdown. I don't know. I don't know that it's politically a good idea for um, either party historically when that's been done. But uh, what I care about really is the people that it impacts, which is uh, all of us, right? It's um, hard if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you got to go to work, but you still don't get that paycheck, even with the promise of back pay. Uh, that's a hard argument to make with your electric bill or your water bill or putting gas in your car or other things. Anyway, something to pray about for our government that they solve that. All right. It's open line Friday. We'll take your calls on anything you'd like. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Eli and Vista, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I have. I guess I have 
I mean, I have two questions, but this is one of them, the main one, I guess. I guess my question is, if God already knew or knows what's going to happen and knows everything, I guess my question is, why would he plant a tree that would give us the knowledge of life? Why wouldn't he just give us the knowledge of life? If he knew we were going to bite from the apple and get that knowledge, why wouldn't he just give it to us from the get-go if he knew we were going to get it? Yeah, well, that's a uh, it's a great question, and lots of people ask that question, right? And, you know, in some ways, I'll answer, I'll answer it this way. In some ways, we don't know all of the whys of why God does what he, what he does. And mm-hmm. part, of, part of the importance of that is that if God is God and we are not, then we're never going to yeah. comprehend, you know, the whys, yeah. right? So yeah. people will give different answers about it. They'll talk about how if, we, if God created us to be in relationship with him, if he wants that to be authentic— you know, some people will say, well, then we had to have a choice, a choice whether to obey or disobey. And that yeah. if, we, if it's really love, then, you know, you don't want someone to be forced to love you. You want them to have that choice. And it's, but if they choose not to love you, it's painful. Uh, they could hurt you, right? So, but the, the yeah. thing is about that answer, which I, I think it's, I don't know, it, it, it sort of works for me, but it's not actually, the Bible doesn't actually yeah. describe that. Right. Yeah, you see, because I mean, the way I see it, if he's going to give us a choice, he should have just gave us choice, the the choice to choose from the get go. You know, made us made us with with choice already. Well, I think he did, and that's why they chose. You know, he did. We did have some yeah. choice, right? There's the the tree. Yeah. You can choose to eat it or not, and yeah. uh, they yeah. ate it, um, and then that's the fall. You know, so the hard part about that question is 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 you want to say, well, why didn't God just create humans and like he plans to at the end? So the end of Scripture, there will be no more sadness, no more tears, no more death, yeah. right? God's going to wipe away the tears, and for eternity, that's that's the condition. Why didn't he just start yeah. there? Well, I guess my, my point is we were already in paradise. Why have a tree there where it kind of wrecked paradise? You know, if the yeah. plan was already, if the plan was already, to be in paradise or get to paradise when we're ready in paradise, why have something there that can have us fall out of paradise? I guess that's kind of the, the issue. I, I mean, it, it kind of hinders me a little bit, you know, when I go to church, that question. And sure. I have another question. I don't know if you have time to answer it. Um, uh, but I guess that's kind of like sometimes I have this issue with, I, I, I guess, that I guess being human, I guess, you know. Yeah. And you know what we, we do? Let me give you just something to, to camp on. And then there's some good books mm-hmm. out there that might help you out with, with all of that. Okay. You know, whatever God knows and when he did it or why he did certain things, mm-hmm. if God is who he says he is, then we know that he is fair, that he is just, that at the end of the day, when there's judgment, no one is going to disagree with what comes down, right? Mm-hmm. So the questions we have, why did you do this? You know, why did you you know, for some people, the questions that they ask God is, why have you allowed this hardship in my life? You know, or why didn't mm-hmm. my life go the way I wanted it to go? You know, if God, mm-hmm. it's called the theodicy. It's if God is is all-powerful and all-knowing, then why didn't he stop this bad thing from happening? Or maybe God isn't all-powerful and all-knowing, and he couldn't stop this bad thing from happening, right? Either way, mm-hmm. you you're, you develop a problem with God, right, as we try to wrap our mind around it. 
Exactly. Right. And uh, I think that's a normal question that we have. But we go into the scriptures with the, the promise of redemption, the promise of all who have faith in Christ, the promise, the, the story where sin comes into the world through one man and through one man it goes out. You have a story mm-hmm. that has the, you know, the tree that's in Genesis, and you've got a tree in Revelation. And you have a story mm-hmm. that works out through human history that appears to be actual, meaning that these characters existed, these places existed. You, everything points back to Jesus Christ if you're reasonable with the, the theory. You can't prove that he rose because you've got to be there, right? But history yeah. seems to indicate that he rose. If, you know, if he did rise from the grave, what would have happened? Well, a bunch of dumb fishermen and other people would have changed the world, and they did, you know, with that mm-hmm. that knowledge. There's a lot of evidence. What I what I think about a lot for me with this, uh, Eli, is that God also created time, that he also created the, the dimensions that we live in in this world that science is barely even beginning to scratch at understanding. Yeah. And, you know, in that regard... When I think of it in this way, and I think, you know, about free will and what did God know and when did he know it, this, and this is me speaking in this way, okay, this is my, my own thinking and when I wrestle with these things. The awe of God in that he's outside of time, that time is just another dimension to God, like up and down and depth and width, and, you know, it's, it's something that we cannot comprehend how he does that. And the idea yeah. that he has enough time for each one of us individually to know the hairs on our head or the hairs that used to be on our head, the he has the oper- the the ability to be present for every part of our life, each one of us, and nobody is more important than another person. He has infinite amount of time. We can't even comprehend that. Yeah, And I think part of the glory of God, part of the worship of God is to say, God, I don't understand all of these things that you did, and your thoughts are not my thoughts, these things that are communicated in the Scripture, but that's why we worship him. That if I could understand all these things, then maybe you should worship me, right? Or maybe I'm the same. And I think you have to camp there because God talks about wanting to be worshiped and to you know, to say, you can't understand all of this, but I created you, I love you, I created the world in such a way with the opportunity to follow me or not, however you define free will. There's limitations, right? We, have, we don't have total free will. I can't fly. I'd love mm-hmm. to fly to work mm-hmm. instead of drive. I'd get home a lot faster. And, yeah. you know, I, and we have spiritual limitations, and the biblical spiritual limitation is I can't save myself. Uh, I can't I can't satisfy cosmic justice on my own because it's beyond me. Only God can do that, and he did through Christ, and that's the the good news of the gospel. Um, So, you know, what I would do, there's a lot of books on this subject. A really great one I've been reading, again, is C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Do you ever read that? No, I have not. You know, it's an old thing. It's actually transcripts of radio shows that he did in the 40s. You know, when people were dealing with the evil of Hitler and the evil, and he's in Great Britain, yeah. right? And the evils of what the world was turning into. Um, and it's brilliant in wrestling through these questions. It's called Mere Christianity. And, Mere Christianity. Uh, yeah, and uh, I would recommend that book for you. It will, it will help you, know, you in your thinking, I think, with some of that. I, I really appreciate that. That's probably the best answer I've gotten um, most people kind of throw their hands up in the air and said, I don't know. I kind of, you're, you know, and I, I, I really appreciate that, that answer. Well, I hope I, so. It Eli. lets me kind of, 
you know, like sometimes as human, I guess you, you wrestle with your own mind and, and you're right. You know, we, we don't know the reasons for it, you know, and, and I, and, you know, and I, yeah. I appreciate that answer. And part of faith Thank is, you. is we don't have to have all the answers because we're not God. That, yeah. Right. And well, I appreciate uh, that. And that really helps. All right. Thank you, Eli. Thanks for calling the Thanks. Pastor Scott Show. All right. One more call here. Uh, Bert in Pasadena. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. How you doing, Pastor Scott? I'm good, Bert. Uh, so uh, coming on what this young man was talking about, and, you know, I'm no theologist, but, you know, I, if I remember correctly, when, when the fallen angels, you know, uh, which was why he created Earth was to show that he was going to give us free choice, show that we would side on on the side of God, and and praise our Creator. And so, you correct me if I'm wrong if that was the case or not, because I think it's almost like the devil is is trying to prove that he can overcome us, and because God gave us free choice, we are able to then choose the side of God or the side of evil. Well, you know, and I'm almost out of time, and it's such a huge question, Bert. I appreciate it. Let me let me just go here with it. You know, all of the whys of why we are created and all of that, we don't actually know. But something we know that's super important, and I want to leave us with this point, is one of the things we know about God, and it's all the way through the Bible from the beginning to the end, is God wants to be with us, that he created us to have fellowship with him, to have relationship with him to be with us. And that's an incredible thing. God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. He was with the people in the temple. He's with us as Christ. He's with us as the Holy Spirit. And the promise of everlasting life is to be with God forever. God created you because he loves you. He created you the way you are because he loves you, because you're unique that way. And he wants to be with you. And so we should want to be with him. And he provided that path through Jesus Christ. Everybody should look into that. I'm out of time for today. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Thanks for listening. We're on every day from 3 to 5 right here. The I hope you have a great weekend, everybody. Follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can get the podcast of this show by going to uh, your favorite podcast app and look for the Pastor Scott Show. Everybody have a great weekend. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.